Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I'm Pastor Rocky Fritz coming to you from the First Baptist Church in Amboy, Illinois. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible with pen and notebook in hand as we study the scripture verse by verse and word by word. We are currently traveling the Romans road. Gather your things together and turn in your New Testament to Paul's epistle to the Romans. Continuing our journey down the Romans road, we are currently in Romans chapter number 7. Now these three chapters, which we're in the heart of right now, are written for believers. They speak of the resurrected life in Christ. In chapter 6, the focus is on the newness of this life in Christ. In chapter 7, the newness of our service to God. And in chapter number 8, the newness of walking in the Spirit. In chapter 7, there is a contrast being made between the law of death and the spirit of life. Now, in verse number 7, where we are going to pick up today, Paul first voices a logical objection from the previous verses. As believers in Christ, we are delivered or freed from the law. Of course, the ceremonial law points toward and was fulfilled by the coming of the Messiah, the Christ of the New Testament. The moral law brings condemnation, and Christ has now justified us or made us just as if we'd never sinned and brought us into a relationship, into the presence of a holy God. Now, the law has no saving ability. And some would argue that it even causes us to go deeper into sin. How should we live and how should we view the law today as believers in Christ? In verse number 7, again the questions that Paul starts this section out with. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Is the law sinful or evil in and of itself? And again, Paul immediately responds with this phrase, God forbid. This is the sixth time now we've seen this phrase in the book of Romans. Heavens, no, certainly not. Now the emphasis in this section of scripture, which is worth noting, is that the evil was not in the law, but in the heart of man, which the law exposes. Notice the statement, I had not known sin, but by the law. The law simply revealed to me what was in my heart. Paul continues in verse 7, I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. The law showed me not only the sin in my heart, but just how sinful and wicked and covetous my heart is. In verse number 8, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. Sin, taking occasion, or sin is made attractive to me. The word concupiscence is an unusual word we really don't use much today. But it speaks of creating a strong desire, a lust, or a passion toward something. 
An example of what this verse is saying, you think of a child. If you tell a child not to touch something, what is the first thing they do, especially when you turn your head the other way? They reach out and touch that thing that you told them not to touch. You see, this reveals the heart of a natural man. When something is declared illegal, there is an instant desire for it. And maybe another example could be if I'm on a diet, you realize how the refrigerator becomes a magnet to me. All of a sudden, all I can think about is that urge to eat something that I know I'm not supposed to eat. When I know something is wrong, I suddenly have an irresistible craving for it. In verse number 9, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In the past, I was content to live without the restrictions of the law. We say today that ignorance is bliss. Well, I just didn't know any better, and I was happy not to know. Living a carefree life in the past, I had little or no concern for others, and certainly not for God. But when the commandment was given, all of a sudden I knew I was wrong. I was burdened with guilt. The realization now that I am breaking the law. In verse number 10, and the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. The commandments were given, the law was given to make life better for myself and for others around me. But I found them to bring death. For me, it made life worse and more restrictive. There are things that I enjoy doing that now I cannot do. I'm now burdened with guilt when I participate in these things. It's better to know the law now than to find out later by being arrested. It's far better to live by the law now than to completely ignore the law and to get in much more trouble later down the road. Verse number 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it, slew me. Living in ignorance, I was once content. But the law made me realize not only I was wrong, but I was deceived. Like Eve was deceived in the first transgression, but Adam fully knew what he was doing. Proverbs number 7 gives us an illustration of what this verse is saying when it speaks of a fool who is deceived by a harlot. The Bible says in Proverbs 7, With her much fair speech she causeth him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till the dart strike through his liver. As a bird hasteneth to the snare, and knoweth not that it was for his life. He was content to live in ignorance until one day he was struck through his heart, and it was too late. In verse number 12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, 
and just and good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The evil, again, is not in the law, but in the heart of man which the law exposes. Psalm chapter number 19 reads, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law brings us to a relationship with Christ or introduces us to our need for the grace of God. In verse number 13, Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. There again, that statement, God forbid. The more I look at the law, the more I see my sin. And the more I see my sin, the more I long for the grace and the forgiveness of God. That's why God repeatedly commands us throughout the Scripture to memorize and meditate upon the law of God because it shows us who we are and it shows us our need for Christ. When I, with the Apostle Paul, see my sin as the statement in verse number 13, exceeding sinful, just how bad it is. How bad God paints the picture of my sin. When I see my sin as exceeding sinful, I have a greater desire and appreciation for God's grace and mercy in my life. And I fall on my face before Him and humble myself before Him, realizing that I am, I am nothing and I am no one in and of myself. And I need Him and need His mercy and His forgiveness and His grace to gain victory in my life. Now verse number 14 is going to introduce us to the mortal conflict, which will be the focus of the days of head and really all the way through chapter number 18 or chapter number 8. Verse number 14 reads, "For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. The law is spiritual. It is foundational to enjoying our new life in Christ. We don't discard the law, but the law shows us who we are. The law shows us the evil that's in our heart and brings us to a closer relationship to the grace of God. And it says that I am carnal. There's the conflict. The law is spiritual. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem is that I am carnal. My flesh is sinful. I'm sold under sin or I'm enslaved by sin. And this is clearly going to be identified by Paul in the verses next time. But as long as I am living in this present body, there is a battle that's raging. Now, I can choose to live in ignorance and ultimately suffer defeat in this battle, or I can choose to be more than conquerors through Christ, which again will be focused on in chapter number 8. So until next time, keep your eyes on the law and on the grace of God that works through His law and in our lives. 
I close today by asking you life's most important question. Have you personally received the gospel, the good news as presented to us in the book of Romans? This book describes in detail God's one and only way of salvation and sanctification. When God works in our lives, He begins a work of transformation. This transformation begins at the moment of salvation and will not be complete until we are living forever in His presence. There's no hope of eternal life in heaven without knowing Jesus Christ. So likewise, there's no life that compares to living daily in the presence of Jesus today. If you have any questions, concerns, or needs, please contact us at fbcamboy.org. I look forward to the next leg of our journey as we travel the Romans Road.